Hi, and welcome to the Filmmaker's Compass Podcast. This is Dustin, joined by Christian. We have another great guest for this episode. Very excited. Christian, give us an introduction. All right, I'm really excited about this one because this is one of my super good friends. Super good. <laughs> I don't really know how to respond to that. <laughs> First of all, because I think super friends is probably trademark, so we probably can't actually use that. Well, Just cut it. What about Insta friends? Insta friends. Uh, <laughs> well, we didn't meet on Instagram. No, you'd be immediate friends, and that's what calls it Insta friends. It's nothing right. to do with any social media. This dictionary slash ph- uh, philosopher is, in fact, the incredibly talented writer slash director slash production designer slash Art. <laughs> everything. Art. Camera. Just Man. amazing all around human being, Mr. Aaron Mager. All right. Welcome, Aaron. Glad that you are finally on the show. I know because. Well, I think we've both talked to you about this probably going back a year now or something like <laughs> At that. At least. Sorry, I'm just sporadic. Well, we're very so, excited to have you here. Um, I know Christian actually, well, he's told me a bunch of stories. You've told me a bunch of stories. We probably won't get to all of them on this episode. I do hope that uh, you have some fun stuff. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Aaron and I originally met, like, oh, I would say eight years ago now. Yeah, it was a crazy long time ago. There's a funny story about that. He was, he was, uh, he wasn't even living in LA at the time. He was out here for a filmmaking workshop. I showed up at the same workshop. I roll in like yeah, a good. I, I kind of want to tell the story. Uh, all right, all right, you can take the story. Uh, take it away. <laughs> all right, so like I'm late half the time, anyways. But for this, I was like super serious about it. Like I had my like business suit set. I'm like I don't know, business casual, and I was really serious about this. My first time out in LA for I'm just a film school yeah. weekend workshop. It wasn't that big of a deal of content. It was still kind of important and whatnot. And I was taking it really seriously. You know, like when you're on time, not when you're late, but when you're on time for something and then the person that shows up late, you secretly, at least this is how I was like, oh, there's a <laughs> piece of crap. They don't, they don't care about anyone. <laughs> so anyways, we're like, we're, we're like in the midway through whatever's going on. And then Christian just barges into the room. We all stop. Like, and not just like secretly, <laughs> politely, like, like sitting in the back of he like barges in. Sorry, Blake, just traffic. Starts <laughs> going on this whole spiel. Like stops everyone ever has to stop and turn around and look at this guy. And I'm just judging this man. Yeah, and I that think, doesn't seem like you. You think, seem like you're very prone. He's like, wow, I, I hate this dude. Well, you know, normally I am, but when you drive from San Diego to LA during rush hour on mm-hmm. Friday, yeah, it's impossible to be prone. That's <laughs> So I got in. I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And apparently, boy, that just—I was secretly judging this man so hardcore. (laughs) And then cut to that night. Like everyone has to share a you know dorm room essentially with someone else. And of course, it's this late son of a bitch (laughs) wearing a Star Wars Uh, T-shirt. Sounds great. He's my roommate. Uh, And then we started hitting it off, and we're basically like business partners. Were you guys both late the next morning? No, no, no. no. Um, But like, yeah, we just. After that, after that first terrible bad impression, that was more on me than him. Um, we were really no, no. I, like, I made the bad impression. Yeah, I know, like but like I totally automatically put you on the shit list. <laughs> and what's funny is, true story. Some of my best friends, when I first met them, I did not like them at all for whatever reason. <laughs> when I was in the navy, this guy he showed up, couldn't just didn't like him. You know, like sometimes you just get a, a bad vibe yeah, or yeah. a like bad impression. Face, yeah, or stupid face with your nose <laughs> and their yeah. eyeballs. Whatever, same thing. And like my best buddy in the Navy, at least when I was on ship, same deal. Like I didn't like him. And then we just hit it off. We we're working together. Great buds. So cool. <laughs> Funny. And well, so since that point, not only have we been friends, but we've worked together on a number of projects. Mm-hmm. 
and some of them are awesome. Just keep waiting until post-production is finished. <laughs> almost there, I swear. Cut forward. We met. You were still living in Illinois. I was still in film school. Where in Illinois? Yeah. Southern Illinois, going to SIU, Southern Illinois University. In oh, okay. And they have a little film program. So I was studying that, industrial design, and creative writing, and whatnot. Basically, all the stuff I was interested in, I was studying. And I remember, obviously, you, you know, we talked... And when we left the, the workshop, you're like, okay, yeah, well, someday I'll be back in LA, hopefully. And it actually blew my mind with how quickly you did get back. It was like literally months LA. later. Yeah. Because like, I was planning on this is, well, this will be my last year in college. And then y'all, maybe I'll see you next summer. Yeah. And then it was literally months. So just November. Like when was the workshop? In July or June or something? Yeah. Actually, no, I do remember it. It was right before school started. So it was like August. Then. August or whatever. Into July, August. Then. And so what's fun about that is some of my buddies were out of film school and here in LA. They're working. And what was kind of fun and cool was I remember having breakfast in Burbank on Monday when I was supposed to be at work back in Carbondale, part of like <laughs> the video photography group for university housing. So anyways, instead of taking, doing the first day of classes and working, yeah. I was having breakfast with my buddy in LA, in Burbank, or whatever. And I thought that was really awesome. That's <laughs> dope. You were lucky enough that a big feature was shooting essentially down the street from SIU. You got on board as a PA, right? Because that, that's what led you coming sure. out here. Sure. And you got to witness a true master at work. Yeah, literally. Absolutely. I remember it was over that summer, I heard rumors of a David Fincher movie that was going to be shooting in Missouri. Maybe you, audience, you may or may not have heard of David Fincher before. <laughs> and, a couple movies. And so... Carbondale, Illinois, Southern Illinois, it's not too far away from Cape Girardeau and that part of Southern Missouri, which they were going to be shooting. And I remember hearing about it, like, well, that's awesome, but, you know, I don't know anyone a part of that. And yeah, just like, you know, like wishful thinking, it would be awesome to work on it. I don't know how, but it'd be really cool. Yeah. One of my good friends in film school, he got on as an art, and Jack Pyatt and myself, we just basically worked on a bunch of, basically every student film and personal film project we could ever get going on yeah. and work together back in college. And he wasn't even in film school. He was a grad student in like mass comp or whatever. <laughs> um, but like I cast him as a sheriff in a Western I was making. All these other projects. So anyways. Is there still footage of that? Can we watch it? Uh, Red Creek? Let's check that out. It's very ambitious. For right out of like film 101, it's, it's great. Nice. By that standard alone. Yeah. Um, it was very ambitious and like we learned a lot. You know, from a broad standpoint, definitely a student film. And we learn a lot on it. So that had a lot of value. But anyway, so Jack and I worked on all kinds of different projects together. So we were a really good, you know, very good terms. He got on and then he hit me up. It's like, hey, one of my buddies, he's in town. Let's go get drinks. And it was one of those times where you need to go get, okay. just like you need to go to this meeting. You need to meet this person. This is definitely one of those times. So we went to like uh, the cellar. It's like a local bar. It's like the grad school bar most folks go to in college. Fun for the cellar. They have the best um, Bloody Marys. I mean, I'm not a huge Bloody Mary guy, but like people who are into the Mary swear by them. You know? So if you're in Carbondale, go to the cellar. So we met there, production office secretary, really cool dude. And he says like, well, just off of meeting you and what Jack says, you're at the top of the stack as far as like resumes for getting in. Dude. You know? So that was pretty cool. But there were no, of course, you know, I was like, oh, that'd be so cool I get on. But so school started when this interview happened. So they were in pre-production in Missouri. Yeah. As Jack was able to pop in over the weekend and we were able to yeah. hit it up. Because art department always has with art it's always front loaded their work you have to a lot of do a lot of prep work and then once they're shooting near the end of the movie you get to hang out it's i mean you still got work to do but it's not as severe as i don't know how expanded this story am i going yeah, to i'm, I'm kind of yeah i didn't need to know about the great blood areas and Sorry. i did that so you talk to your friend all right so and so through networking 
you met a connection who was actually on the shoot. You were at the top of the list, but what did it take for you to actually get on set? All right, I mean, so you I, had never worked on a feature film. I worked on one indie film. It shot in Illinois. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's actually a pretty good thriller. It was unpaid. It was so like so what did it take oh, for you sorry. to get on this feature film? <laughs> so, You're um, leaving us all in suspense. All right, so I remember I hit up Jack weeks later. He's like, hey, man, what do you think? He's like, ah, sorry, man. I don't think it's going to work out. I was like, well, thanks, though. I'm all bummed out. And went back to my sad shopping, like buying me a cheese at Walmart. Nice. Schlepping towards Guilty. the checkout. Yeah, been there. <laughs> and um, I get a next morning about to go to school and whatnot, and I get a, a text from Jack. It's like it's like six in the morning when I get this call. It's like, dude, <laughs> all right, the production coordinator is gonna call you. When she when you answer it, you need to say yes to him. Can you do this? Yes, can you do that? Yes. Doesn't matter what it is, just say yes yeah. and figure it out later. Like, oh, okay, I'm like getting all excited. It's like, all right, get the call. And it's like, can you do this? Yes, can you do that? Yes. Can you be here today? I was like, I can be there tomorrow morning, you know, and she was cool with that. So I was Ooh, able to, lucky. looking back, I probably should just say yes. Um, but <laughs> I took the risk of conversation exactly. Basically, I talked to my professors just, you know, so it would be a little closer than just like not even. So I went and talked to everyone and they were super cool. Yeah, I just cool sent them an email that said, sorry, I'm going to be out for a week. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I quit my job and dropped out of school, packed up all my stuff in my truck and drove down to Cape Girardeau and started working on it. What? Damn, that's like a oh, life-changing... Spoiler, that was the feature film, because he never actually mentioned what it was. Oh, yeah. Gone yeah. Girl. Well, I mean, it's a David Fincher movie, and there's, you know, that's the last <laughs> thing you may want. We get it. We, that's kind of a ballsy move. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, it's really cool. Did you, like, have... It Was it, like, a defining moment? Like, did you know this was the thing? Oh, yeah. And what was so cool about it is, I was literally driving there, and the Tom Petty song, Heartbreakers... Tom Petty, the Heartbreaker song came on, Running Down a Dream, came on the radio, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, my mind is blown, because it's literally exactly what I'm doing. Like, yeah. if you were to cue up the music and the lyrics, it's like, point by point. It's just, I was like, what? So, <laughs> so okay. that was a really cool experience, so, just yeah, that song awesome. cue up like that. When, now, I remember you telling me stories that you are working in camera department, so were yes. you working camera and production, just kind of bouncing back so, and forth? I started in production, so I was the office PA, okay. little office office PA um, and I hated it like I you know I've never really worked in an office before mm-hmm. and I learned very quickly this uh, sucks I mean I'm not with the poo poo on it like no that's just great. not your thing just for me personally like I like to be you know running around working with my hands being outside sure. and all the whatnot that's why art and camera are more kind of my thing yeah um, so anyways I was there and then within a week um, I was able to switch over to camera and the only reason it was just like it's just like a lot in life it's not like you just have to be at the right place at the right time and be willing to jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like mm-hmm. I had the connection I was willing to jump on to Gone Girl because I didn't know how long that would be but it was worth dropping sure. out for, you know. Like you're going to school, you're going to film school to get on movies. Well, here it is. Like no, there was no like person saying you need to do this. It's just, gee, I guess I need to do this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. literally you're like, you know, oh no, I gotta finish film school first, then yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, like, no, go right now. Like, I mean, this if, is the moment. If you're gonna take away anything from this, just be bold, go for it. <laughs> I like that. Um, like, there's two different times in in high school football. I remember thinking, um, I took the safe route. I didn't. I just jumped on the ball, and I literally could have picked it up and ran with it. Literally, let alone figuratively, and I could have made a good a full-on touchdown. I like it. And there's another time I got an interception, and the coach was freaking out, yelling at me because I was just on defense. And I was a linebacker, defensive end. And I made the interception. He was screaming, you know, go out of bounds or whatever. And, like, looking back, I totally should have. 
So, okay, totally you could have done it, dude. Now, it's one thing working on a movie that's in the middle of nowhere and you're around. Yeah. How did you manage to leverage your experience on Gone Girl into coming out to LA? All right, so I was in I was an office PA. And while I was there, I remember the secretary told me, like, oh, let's just be aware of what's going on. It's just, it's just good yeah. practice. So I heard the secretary, the coordinator heard on the I heard her talking on the phone. They needed an additional camera assistant. Okay. So I just turned around and like raised my hand. Me? Yeah. And that led to an interview. And basically they needed one more body, you know. And I was just perfect, right place, right time. Like it was a god. I was able to get the interview and then it was really AC, the first AC was really chill about it, and then I became the camera PA. That's awesome. And, and that's how I got on set. And that was when you were you were actually through. standing at, next to Fincher at times, yeah. right? Day day one. Because I remember you told me you're like, no, dude, like I was looking into making notes on his phone and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like I was right there next to camera and everything. That's that's, awesome. that's the beauty of camera department. Like you're in the action right next to everything, especially as just an AC. And it went. I mean, from, were you like super nervous? Oh, so super nervous. In yeah, fact, like my you, my first impression in front of everyone on set was like kind of funny and embarrassing. Well, so, now you gotta tell us. So you know, when you start off, you're totally clueless. And what's funny is in college, I was like the go-to guy. Like I was the seasoned veteran filmmaker yeah. that knew how to do everything. And it was polar opposite once I was on a real set. Yeah. Not just a set, a big boy, big Hollywood movie yeah. set. Yeah, yeah. So I'm there. He told me which batteries were which, like the VCLX batteries and the Anton Bauer batteries and the brick batteries. Well, there's like a million batteries for every little component on a camera <laughs> system. Yeah. I remember asking him during the interview, how will I know if it's a, a running situation versus just a walking situation? And I'll let you know. So on the radio, it's like, Aaron, we need an Anton Bauer battery. This is a running situation. <gasps> <laughs> track star Aaron so and I literally used to be in track so like uh, so I like first of all never run on set unless it's like an emergency never run on set even if it's like this you could walk very briskly um, it's unsafe and unprofessional thank um, you OSHA yeah um, like, like like literally if it's like unless it's a safety issue don't run um, and I was sprinting <laughs> I was full out balls out sprinting to the, the camera van and then I jump in there like oh shit which battery Oh no, because it's my first day. And I just, thankfully, I grabbed the right battery. And so I'm literally, I have this That's battery in luck. And I'm sprinting back to set and over the radar, walk, 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 walk. Because he meant to like run, go very quickly, but mm-hmm. not to sprint balls out. So I'm like sprinting with the battery. And, like, and by the time I hear and register what he says, like everyone can see me sprinting to set. Everyone's just looking at me. And so in one second, have you ever like went from a full sprint to a full walk? Yeah, well, that's what I tried to do. So I went from full sprinting to walking in one motion, and like I'm like breathing through my nose like, <laughs> in front of everyone as I try to calmly, like no one saw me running earlier. Here's like, that battery. Calmly returning the battery. So that was my first impression in front of everyone. So. <laughs> that's awesome. My favorite story, if you can tell the one about Miss Pike. Which one? <laughs> there are multiple ones. I only know of the one with, with you uh, wrapping up and having beer. And- He's like, I don't think I could tell that. I f- I'm trying to remember it. I forgot that one. If you <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I, I vaguely remember The story as I remember it was this. <laughs> this is back once you were in LA. They've been wrapping up the shoot. Yeah. And they're like, Aaron, go in the back, get some beers. So you and the rest of your burly crewmen were out there gathering up a bunch of beer to take yeah. to the crew guy. And, and Roseman Pike, yeah. you know, this gorgeous, classy British She's actress. Le- legit Bond girl. Walks, yeah, she is, walks into the same trailer as you and she's like looking for like some champagne or something because she just like wrapped her final yeah. take. <laughs> and the way Aaron told it to me was Aaron just 
Aaron being Aaron, this hairy, manly croupier, just she's like, oh, is there like any champagne or anything? And Aaron just whips around all his beer and is like, I got some of these. And you said she just gave you the most like disgusted slash horrified look that anyone had ever demonstrated in the history of the world. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, maybe I tried to knock yeah. that one out. Yeah. But I do it's like I have like a self coping mechanism, like all embarrassing things I've done. <laughs> My brain auto blocks. But yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, there's many more embarrassing stories, but that's thankfully you've remembered that. Before. Oh, trust me, I'm not letting that one go. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> there's only three people listening to this and podcast, then you're like, so... I, I put it out there, it's yeah. gone. I don't want to. I don't want to remember that. Uh, you were saying though how you got to L.A. Oh, right. So they already had a dedicated camera PA on standby waiting for when they were going to do the LA in portion LA. of the shoot because they did all the Missouri location stuff in Missouri of course and then all stage work and all a few other random exteriors they're going to shoot in LA mm-hmm. so like a few more months of shooting here in LA I was like man that'd be so cool if I get on and so I talked to Tucker the first AC about it I was like well let me talk to the UPM and whatnot and from that it went because they, they liked me and they were basically like well this is on like a Thursday or a Friday if you're if you're there Monday morning, you got the job. Damn. So, so you're telling you me that get your car. Like, you made the decision stuff. to move across country literally on like yeah two days. So it was like a super rush move because like yeah, I drove down to Cape Girardeau from Carbondale to work on this, but I was staying like at a bed and breakfast. Right. Yeah. You're <laughs> you like, know. Yeah. And so I literally had to go back to Carbondale and do like a super rush move, and then I flew out. For, I think I flew out Saturday or Sunday. Monday morning, like I literally rented a car, couch surfing. You're like, I'm making movies. Mm-hmm. Here. And then show awesome. up Monday morning. It was so awesome bananas because like it was five o'clock in the morning in Hollywood on a Hollywood movie. Like it was like not just in LA, but in Hollywood. The first movie I've ever worked on. That's and awesome. it's a David Fincher movie in Hollywood. Dude. So that's that a was, legendary that's pretty story. story. Yeah, it was so like, cool. So after after Gone Girl, um, how how did you keep getting all right, so here's the thing. So normally, you move out gradually, slog through the terrible stuff, and then you work your way up to bigger, better projects. Right. I did kind of an inverse of that. Yeah, so, no one does it like the way you do correct. it. Yeah. <laughs> so I got super lucky, and I was on it, and like I remember when Gone Girl was wrapping up, everyone saw someone come up to me, and they were like, hey, so what are you doing after this? And I was just so chill and confident. It's like, well, you know, Jeff, DP, he's like, he's going to he's gonna be able to get me on some stuff. And like, I wasn't nervous at all. It's like they knew something that I didn't, and then I found out what they So Gone Girl raps. And yeah, bless his heart, Jeff was so helpful. He's the sweetest, nicest professional DP of ever worked yeah. with. Just a pleasure to work with. And he was able to get me on, you know, a few commercial jobs here and there. But, you know, like, that's on his call and when he's busy or unless he's on a job in Spain right. or whatever. So anyways, yeah, that was super helpful. But the thing is, all these other guys, they're working on other big budget movie shows, and they don't need a camera PA because normally... It's normally, a David Fincher thing. Exactly, because like officially, <laughs> like they they kind of poo poo on that. Because yeah. I was super fortunate because we were just there at the time when it all worked out. But normally, you don't have a camera PA; it's just union ACs and whatnot. So mm-hmm. the, the trick is, all these connections I had were all in union shows, and you can't work Do in any union, union unless you're in the union. Yeah. yeah. So I was a little SOL kind of. So after Gone Girl, that's when it started to suck. You know, Shitty working fan. basically random free or part time gigs for minimum wage in LA. 
So not only are you making minimum wage, but you can afford rent. And <laughs> yeah, like the cost yeah. of living is way higher. Oh, it's, it's yeah. awful. And it's all um, generally minimum wage jobs, and they're all part-time. And you don't even know when your next one now, is. Now, I, I know you told me kind of during this period, you were working as an AD a little bit. You were doing some camera stuff. Had you started working in art at this time? Yeah. Going from job to job in LA. Similar to college. Like, I'm just a journalist by nature. Like, I'm kind of all over the place. Like, everything is interesting to me. So, basically jumping on whatever AC jobs that I would get. And then there was a few art jobs that I would get. I remember at the time, looking back, I could have gotten a job as an assistant at a camera house. And at the time, it was um, one of the ACs I worked with. He's like, this is below you. With your connections, you don't need to do that. So I took that part. So I didn't take that jump. In fact, I applied to a camera house and like I literally met Mr. Keslow, like Keslow camera. Like what? I, I literally met Kes, Mr. Keslow when Jeff was prepping me on that, on a, like a Mercedes wow. job or something. Dude. And so the opposite of start, and it was funny, like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. And I talked to him like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. I, like I did a reverse of the chain of command. So it finally worked down to... <laughs> you know, the secretary and the person taking application. Theory is, I didn't go past the second interview or whatever. My theory is like, well, he's doing enough freelance work. He's not going to stick around long. So we're not going to hire him. Because that that's happens. So because yeah. you don't want to hire someone and then, you know, they Big work bounce. for two months and then they're like, yeah, you're on bigger yeah. and better jobs. Now, one of the connections you got actually scored you a pretty sweet opportunity to go travel to a couple different <laughs> countries on feature films yeah. with the same production crew. Was that just sort of a luck of the draw thing? Was that just building a network? And I mean, because what, you did three international films through them? And where did you go? No, I did. Well, I did, I've done three international ones. Two was for art as a production designer, and then one was as a first AC in camera, which just last year. So the two... The first two international jobs was one in Dubai and one in Korea, and it was Whoa. branded content for uh, the Marriott. Oh, I think I remember when you you yeah. went. Well, and one was a travel job in Chicago. So yeah, technically I did three. You know the whole who you know is very helpful. So my roommate, he was the first AD in these projects. Gotcha. So that was so obviously very helpful. When you move out to LA and you're looking for roommates. Yeah. Find someone who is like a first AD. Yeah, I mean... Now can I ask you, you had a couple of projects where you had worked internationally. You had a project with David Fincher's name on it. Do you think in any way that actually maybe inhibited your ability to get work early on? Or do you think it helped? I mean, just because obviously like... Well, it's a great, great credit to have anything with like Fincher or Spielberg. Any big, big, you know, movie, you know, it definitely helps. Even if it's just as a PA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if your contacts are just big boy union contacts it's a little harder to pull off it's like a big gap between yeah it's that huge thing because until you're in the union they officially can't hire you you know yeah because and i i I totally get it now especially after being in the union because you could just hire a bunch of non-union pas yeah and and let's talk about that you now work in your union art director yeah non-art that's that's 800 i'm uh I'm in the property union, so prop masters, set decorators. Okay, okay. okay. So that's local Sweet. union how did, 44. How did you get it? All right. Let's so, break it down like that right. basically. So I started working on random art projects, and half the time on these lower budget ones, you're the um, one-man band or one-man army. Like You just have to figure it out. And yes. The lower scale ones are the worst ones because you have the least amount of resources, and they're asking for the most things. Yeah, they want you to do everything. It's just trial by fire Can you do makeup? yeah um but it's straight training you know because you're dealing with these awful you know requests and then you get hopefully not burned too bad but you learn a lot you know you develop real tough mm-hmm. skin just be careful because you get burned out especially if you're stuck in that well that's when it really sucks 
one thing to work for on it for a little bit, but when you're like a 60 year old man working for 200 bucks a day, yeah. that's no, and I've heard stories about it. So from there, you know, ideally it leads to a slightly bigger, better problem. So one way to get into the union is you work on a non-union show that's big enough of a budget that it'll flip. It'll flip you. So basically if it's like over a million dollars or whatever, everyone will kind of get together and like, hey, I think this is worth flipping. So they'll talk to you, you know, the local unions and whatnot. The unions will help you out. They'll, so it like brings everybody on board? Basically, the, the thing is like, all right, we're all in agreement. All the crew is you flip this show union or we're not going to work. I, that's kind of my understanding of it. Sounds like a union. Yeah, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so sometimes that can go both ways. Sometimes the production is like, nah, you guys can go. We'll hire you. You know, we'll rehire. You're like, oh, shit. But it's such a big pain in the butt because they only have to pay a little bit more. Like, I don't know the full numbers, but usually half the time they budget that in if they know it might flip. They might have that built into the budget, so they have like just in case it does happen. If it's likely, if it's right on the edge like that, they'll have the money, you know, cooked okay. into the cooked into the cost. Yeah. So they're like, let's just keep going. So yeah, exactly. Along. Exactly, because yeah. like you're midway through, you're midway through the river. You might as well keep the same crew and like pay a little more, and then and then you your union days. Yeah. And so you have to have thirty union days, and then you can pay the money, take the. Is that thirty classes, total or in a month? Thirty total. Okay. You have one year to get all 30 days. And it sucks is I know a guy, awesome, talented guy. He's got like 28 days. And his, and his days expire in like a month from now. Damn, he's on the hot seat then. Yeah, it really sucks. Like I hope I hope he's able to get his days. Like I've asked and tried to get him on. And, you know, yeah. It hasn't worked for me getting yeah. him on anything. But hopefully, hopefully he can. get Because it, it sucks. Because it really is designed to be hard to get into the union, at least for LA. Well, because then it protects the guys in the union. Yeah, right? That's exactly. The yeah. Perspective. yeah, plus you think, I mean, obviously we're all Midwest guys. A lot yeah. of the people we've interviewed, I mean, a lot of people come here and, I mean, you just have people flooding the, the job market. So, <laughs> before we talk about working on union projects, yeah. I remember you told me a story about a film you did in the desert with a little-known actor named William Shaw. <laughs> Yeah, and Christopher Lloyd. Yes. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I just remember this was funny. It's called Senior Moment, and it's still not out. And this is awful. Um, <laughs> awesome. They were awesome. They were great. Um, my um, department head, she was an awful. Well, that she's that's one of the worst human beings I've ever worked with. You story about Shatner. You're on set. Shatner in in front of the grocery store. <laughs> I feel bad telling a story. I don't want to shed a light on him. No, this is hilarious. It was a little deserved. No, it no, was a little no, deserved. No, no. Okay, if you full, full context. Let me preface this. <laughs> they had the clothes set. You know, obviously this is at a grocery store, so people are around it. Um, but they were doing their job, which is trying to keep people from interfering with production because they're shooting a movie. And what happened? All right, so this is in Palm Springs. It's really, really hot. And um, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah it's okay. in the desert. And um, so Bill's out there holding holding the you know prop grocery bags and whatnot. We're filming, we're we're shooting, we're trying to get it, and there's this little old lady that walks out. It's like in the shot, and like the PAs were trying to scurry away, and she wouldn't leave. And she's like, "Oh, what? Bill Blue Shatner? And all he said was, "Fuck you! Get the hell out of here! Get out of the shot!" <laughs> I remember just like a first day. It's like, did that just happen? <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But to be fair, like, oh, she funny. she was breaking all the rules and not leaving. Well, and, and they and we were we were supposed to be there. It was locked off, and she was breaking all the rules. Yeah. Just wanted to talk to the. Star. And you had the signs up that were saying, "Hey, don't walk through our set." <laughs> yeah, and like she's ruining the shot. It's really hot out, and like everyone's trying to get this thing and move on because we have limited time and budget. Right, and she's ruining it, and she's not leaving. So with all those, please it was well deserved. Please don't, you know, that's why I even hate telling the story because he was a re- he's a great guy. He was always so kind to me and very respectful. What I noticed was if people were unprofessional, you called them out on it. Yeah. I think that's what it really comes down Sounds to. Sounds fair though. You know, yeah. like yeah. If, if people were unprepared. Been in the you know, industry for how long? Yeah, he's old school, you know, yeah. in the best ways. Were you on time? I was. And yeah. what's funny is like the man <laughs> I had to deal with, like, you know, looking back at it. Um, so, it was very painful. There's a non-union show that flipped. So on that lower end sketch, on that on that lower end tiers, you have to deal with a lot of BS that you don't have to deal with on bigger sure. budgeted shows. Now that you are in the union, mm-hmm. uh, obviously I know you you've got the opportunity to work on a couple really really cool projects. Yeah. You did a little bit of time on Tarantino's latest project. Correct? What? Yeah. No way. Well, that's exciting. Signed an NDA. Uh, yeah. No, I, well, that's the thing. I well, I'm, not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> ask questions about yeah. it. Chance to actually observe Tarantino working. I wanted to, but no. I mean, obviously, I know you guys are there way before sure. the rest of production. I, I, uh, I know Prop Master. She was able to work on set for a little bit as one of the day players. Um, so she did. But yeah, I was in um, set deck, so just one of the set dressers. Um, so yeah, you, 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 so as a set dresser and a decorator or a lead man, that's all in under set decoration. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that's. Even though technically it is, like, officially it's not a part of art department. Really? So I used to say art department, and I'm like, dude, you're not in art department, you're in set deck. <laughs> it's so weird when you work on the bigger show. sounds like you're in a fraternity, totally, dude. I guess so. Yeah, it's really interesting. So like, you work in the set dresses <laughs> that are, like, in their 50s, but kids are about ready to retire. It's, like, a totally different mindset. Yeah. But, yeah, really good You've also shows. had the opportunity to work on one of my favorite shows. And I know you have to be careful what you say because they're still in production. Westworld. Yes. Obviously... Getting on a production like that, I think, has got to be everybody's dream. You get all the cool stuff in terms of costume and prop and, you know, there's just cool stuff happening. Yeah. What was that like? Was it overwhelming? Um, obviously, the production value on the show is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they have the budget to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat working on the big shows. Like, That's whoa, cool. this is how the, the big boys, big folks do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And, like, how, how long? Like is your your job because they only shoot for you know part of the year right they don't shoot ah uh, yeah I mean I wasn't on for the whole thing so I was just a day player I wasn't core crew so I'm trying to think where, what can I get away with saying what no d- if you if you're not sure don't say anything that's okay. yeah I just I think it's got to be awesome right is someone working cool. on that side yeah. of of film like that's got period aspects. It's really cool. Like I'm a, I'm a sucker for science fiction and westerns, so so that's kind of the best the of both. Thing. Yeah, it's a pretty cool combo. Yeah, folk real professional and, and know what they're doing. Can I can I ask you this question? Them. Yes. Um, obviously, you've been there for the third season. After the fires that rolled through, how did that really mess things up? And from kind of art set deck side of things, was that a big was that a big challenge, or um, did they just do what they do and they just found a way to adapt? I don't want to give into like details or whatnot, but and if you can't, okay, okay, yeah, they, there's workarounds, there's ways to do stuff. Not a non-issue, I guess, on the story. Like, oh, Westworld set burns down. Like, that's that's not really what happened. Like, yeah, there's parts that got burned up, but it's not what we're imagining. Like everything in Westworld that that didn't happen. 
That's good to know. I know I did want to, it's a little uh, change of direction here, but I did want to ask, um, I know you said your goals are like writing and directing. Do you have any projects that you're working on maybe on the side or how, how are you kind of pursuing the writing and directing? I do. Yeah, I got a few sidebar to that. Um, I remember when I first started on Gone Girl, one of the, this one I was still in camera as a PA, one of the prop assistants, she told me, don't even join the union. Really? Yeah, I found that really interesting. She basically said, you'll get real comfortable. Ah. You're not going to pursue what you want to do. You know, the whole like stay hungry type deal. Sure. And I totally understand the logic. And I think what that really comes down to is most people, once they start making more money, they just start spending more money. Yeah. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I was watching a thing on George R. R. Martin. He used to be Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. Of the, the books. He used to do television and whatnot. And then he was tired of, you know, certain pilots or features like, oh, we can't do this. It's too expensive and this and that. Or it's going to be watered down. Yeah. So, screw it. I'm just going to write this series that I want to write. I want to write. So, when it came time, people were approaching him wanting to adapt it. He could afford to say no because... It was too ambitious to make sure. as a huge show. So we're like, well, we'll make a movie version of it. And we'll cut this out. It's like, no. He said he lived within his means so he could afford to say no. Huh. Gotcha. I like that. Um, yeah. And so like, if if you're going to pursue the Hollywood dream, whatever that may be, definitely learn how to live within your means so you can afford to say no to projects. Because I've experienced this firsthand where I turned down certain jobs. Uh-huh. And I'm so glad I did because that allowed me to work on bigger, better jobs. Or develop your passion projects or whatever it may be because I'm I'm so glad I was because like if you're under the gun and in debt and all these things or you know you gotta take you gotta take exactly and like I knew an electrician that really talented dude and he easily could have been a gaffer he again I'm not against family I'm all about having a family he had you know eight kids and all this stuff and you know cars and mortgage and whatnot he couldn't afford to not work yeah right. He couldn't afford to take lower paying gaffing jobs. He had to take full rate electrician jobs. And so there's nothing, again, nothing wrong with that. But if you want to, if you have, you know, grand Do something to decide what you're doing. Yeah. It's limited. Yeah. And so this, so here's like kind of the rough general rule of stuff. Whatever position you're at right now, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do, no one's just going to hand you the keys to the kingdom. So if you want to step up to that role, usually it's going to be for free. Or at a lower rate, right? Uh-huh. So wherever you're you're set at, if you want to do that, if you want to be a director, if you want to do this, you want to do that. If you want to do it, if it's unpaid, you have a better chance of being able to do it. Or very low pay. And again, the more experience you have, the more credits you have, the higher you can command and how much you get paid. Yeah. It. It's kind of like you got to put in... You got to put in some work, most likely unpaid, just to, it's it's not unpaid, you're, you're getting paid in the credits. Oh, yeah. So then. And it's the experience. Yeah. And if it is free, if you screw up, who cares? That's true. You know too. what I mean? Like, no matter what you want to do, if you want to be a designer, uh, a DP, director, writer, whatever, if it's unpaid and it's not that good, who cares? It's unpaid. It's a student film. It's a this, it's a that. Yeah. So screw up on the free ones so you don't feel bad about it and it's free. So when it is time to get on the paid jobs, like, well, I've already done this before. So you don't have to, the whole fake it till you make it. You've already done it. Yeah. You know, so when I've already time, screwed this up. So. Exactly. So like, <laughs> we're definitely all human. I'm, I got the experience. It's less stressful. So by the time you are getting that nice full rate job, like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit. Obviously, you had a whole life before you decided to kind of go back to school mm-hmm. and get into entertainment. You're in the military. <laughs> I'm always surprised at how many people I do meet who do have a military background and are now working in the industry. But I don't know what's going on 
the parade. That's what it sounds like. That's the joys of downtown LA. You never know what you're going to capture on a mic. We, by the way, we shot part of Gone Girl right next to here. Really? In the uh, like the alley down there. The library. Oh, oh the wow. last last bookstore. Yeah. yeah. No way. It's Shout when, out. Uh, it's when Amy and and uh, was it Nick? Nick done? Yeah. When they the, it was on the call sheet it said celebrate their anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> See in the library. <laughs> Crazy. So that, well, that was at the last wait. bookstore. Watch the movie. <laughs> That's in the, in the entertainment industry. Yeah. What is that community? And are there any reasons you can recommend for people Absolutely. who are saying, hey, I, <laughs> I used to do this, yeah. but this is my passion. This is how I... I even have, like, I'm on the email thread. That's pretty cool. Like, I mean, as somebody that, you know, is not, a, you know, not from a military family, not in the military, um, I didn't even know that those resources were there. Aaron, I assume you can give more details on this, but... Succeed in industries building that network, as you said. Yes. You know. So, yes. if you have people and you have groups who can connect you with people and connect you with resources, take advantage of it. Absolutely. I was I thought about this just yesterday. There's been opportunities I've blown, biffed on, um, that I could have like just again picking up the ball and running with it instead of just jumping on it or falling. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of those examples. You know, luck is just when was it hard work and preparation? Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever that is. Luck is when hard work meets good preparation. Exactly. There's a lot of things I could have just hustled harder on earlier on, and I'm yeah. that much farther ahead now. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You that know? makes sense. But yeah, the the veteran thing. There's a group called Veterans in Media and Entertainment. Like their acronym is VME. It's VMEConnect.org, and it's just it's it's a thing that helps get you going. You know, they have different programs, different internships. I've signed up. Full disclosure. I haven't really utilized them, honestly, but they do exist. And I mean, you're one friend away from having that connection and job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's all friend-based, network-based. Well, I mean, you know, I think it, we've all had a little bit of experience. I met you through Christian. Yeah. You know, you're always, yeah. that's and it's how that you meet people. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. But being a good person, being someone you want to hang out with, like, who would you rather work with? You know, some asshole or some person you, like, enjoy spending time you with? You know... Uh, Ideally, they're really good at the job and they're cool. I'm glad yeah, you really. brought up that because that I, there's always this perception outside of media, right, right. that all these people are, are divas and, Some of them and are. difficult to work with. Some of them absolutely yeah. are. No, no, and that's true. But I think the thing that once you're inside, you realize those people are few and far between because no one wants to work with them. And the ones who are I are wish. really, really good, though. You mean the ones that are assholes? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> they earn the right. Like I wish this part wasn't true, but it is true. Sometimes they're assholes and they're not good, but they're still good at work. Yeah, I don't know how that. Rich uncles, I guess. Good. Um, and I, yeah, I wish they were all great, cool people to work with that were competent. But not all the. All, but all the time. I, I guess you all I'm trying to say before we tumble down the, the diaries of the entertainment industry. Yeah. I mean, you do bring up a good point, right? If if you work hard and you're good to work with, people will want to work with you again. Yeah, it helps because here's the thing about all jobs. They're all temporary and they're all an interview for the next job. Yeah. Good so, point. so generally, you're not generally, I mean, unless it's a real extreme example, um, they won't just outright fire you. Instead, you know, you just won't, you won't get called back. <laughs> yeah. You won't get any more texts. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happens. That's like the passive aggressive way of getting fired. They just, you don't get called Stop. back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've definitely burned bridges on accident. 
or unintentionally or other times people have said, Oh, Aaron, you're great. We can't blah, blah, you know, all the great compliments and then, you know, radio silence afterwards. And sometimes it's as simple as they'll hit you up a few times and then you're busy and then they just stop hitting you up. So you burn the bridge just by being busy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just a weird nutty industry. Um, but again, the better you are at your job, whatever that is, the more opportunities you have and the more picky, sure. you know, whereas it can be a higher rate job, more prestige, just a better, better life. Yeah. I mean, I walked by a low budget shoot coming here and it was just like, oh, been there. It sucks. <laughs> There's nothing romantic about indie films. Is that over by Pershing Square? Yeah. Mm, we passed the same one. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I don't mean to like poo poo them, but like I've, I've been on them, I worked on them, I've organized them, and they're just they suck. They're painful. They're yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but see, it's I, I, it's weird because like when you're looking up at that, yeah, it probably looks awesome, right? Yeah, that's I mean, why you did it because oh, you're totally. like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you I go was to the other side, you get yeah. to look back. You're like, oh no, how things look at 22 are very different from how they look at 32. One of my friends, he's a production designer. He's worked with this amazingly talented art director that did what he was able to pull off. He was basically able to build this this custom kayak and fort set in like 1840s that's upstate insane. New York. He did all this for under a thousand bucks. Like what? that's insane. Yeah. Um, but the more <laughs> what what I'm getting at is, dude is now in like his 70s and still working on like shit jobs, like 200 bucks a day. And what, that's not right. He's way too talented to be working at 200 bucks a day. Yeah. Like that's something that's totally fine when you're 22, not when you're 62 70. or 70 yeah. or whatever. It's not just being great at your job, like full life decisions. Like I've worked with set dressers that like have three homes, rental properties and all this stuff. And other folks just got divorced and are like broke. All they have is a car to their name, crashing out of a hotel or a buddy's place. And they're like in their late 50s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because the job pays well doesn't mean it's going to be there forever and to circle back to what we we're talking about earlier with the not joining the union if you live within your means when you start making more money don't scale up keep that cost of living low yeah so you can make those creative decisions you can afford to say no to jobs to focus on what you really want to do yeah. at your at your capacity or what you want to do yeah. and what dude no that's nice because once you get locked in with you got a new car you got a mortgage you got this you got that and you really are stuck yeah, you have to take those jobs because you literally cannot afford to do what you really want to do, and then you're a slog, wishing you would have, would have, could have, should have. Yep, solid. That's that's really good advice. Let's now talk about some movies. Shall um, we? Yeah, movie talk. Movie talk. We were bouncing some ideas back and forth, and obviously, you said one of the movies that you love is yeah. Thor Ragnarok. I love. It. Yes. <laughs> now, if you don't like Marvel movies, then you can just hang up. Hey, guys, podcast, we're done. <laughs> I hope everybody's listening with their phone to their... Thor, like, as far as Marvel goes, it's one of those movies that really stands out because it... I, I wouldn't describe it as a comedy. And there will be but there's, Thor there's, spoilers throughout, so... There's just so much humor in it. Oh, it's great. That it's the... Uh, to me, that's really the defining characteristic for, for that movie that makes it so rewatchable. Oh, yeah, it's so fun. Like yeah. I jokingly call it, that's my favorite Star Wars movie of, uh, <laughs> that's been recently made. You know, that's awesome. It's it's fun, awesome, and kind of sad for you know reflection of Star Wars. But yeah. that's I mean that's what made Star Wars so great. I don't know if it's the best analogy. Um, yeah, for it's fun. Yeah, it's just fun, rewatchable, visually amazing. Score is great. Chris Hemsworth is brilliant. 
is like a yeah. action Shows comedy. Like he's gonna have such a great, amazing, long career. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like actually, when you can pull off action and comedy, like he does. Yeah, that's like an incredible combination. I really liked what they did with the character Thor in the movie, which yeah. was, you know, he literally kind of like loses. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, first it's his hammer, then it's his hair, then it's his eye, then it's his Asgard. Yeah, his dad. Like, yeah. they literally, like, take all of these things from him. And, uh, you know, you kind of, I mean, I guess the moral for me was that those things don't really define who he is as a character, right? Like, his, the literal lesson I think Odin tells him in a vision is that, like, the power was always within you. I love that. What, did I make you the god of hammers? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great line. That is a great line. Yeah. Um, right? There's another line that I've been taking on myself when, like, I need your help for talking to Odin. He's like, I'm on a different path now. Yeah. And I remember this personal thing. My sister, she's got two boys, another one on the way, and, like, they're living the whole married life. I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And you always feel like, behind the ball and you know friends back home and, whatnot. Life, yeah. and I remember thinking like the choices I've made the career I chose I'm on a different path yeah but oh, um, cool. that that mindset of um, I'm I'm on a, I'm on my own path now or a different path. and I'll tell you what yeah. I like any Marvel movie with Loki yeah like he's a great he's a great character to have in any scene yeah because you just never know like what was he gonna do yeah he, he really finally he finally goes I mean you Find out more on Avengers at the beginning of uh, Infinity yeah. War. He he had a great arc. Thor had a great arc, and what you said earlier, even though he loses everything, like if anything, like tragedy with failure with loss, it really truly reveals what you are made of. Yeah, you know. So despite all that, he was still going to fight that stuff. Yeah, it was cool. And then you know, obviously, there's a lot of symbolism. You know, as uh, Christian mentioned, you know, a little spoiler alert, but you know, he loses his eye, kind of mm-hmm. takes Odin's place. As, yeah. The King of Asgard, but one of the things that really stood out to me too was that even though like this movie, I, first of all, please tell me you guys enjoyed the score. Oh, it's oh, great! It's I've literally played. I've just played that on Spotify. Yeah, I'll put that on. I'm yeah. like, that's just fun. Even though like this movie feels very different from Thor and Dark World, it is very much the third chapter in that yeah. trilogy. Like, no, it's you're fits totally right. Perfect. I mean, you almost have like in Thor one, he essentially. Be- gets humbled and kind of rejects oh, yeah. the throne. Yeah, like when he doesn't have anything, how does he respond to that? Granted, it's temporary, but it that makes him a good hero versus a selfish, arrogant hero. Yeah, he's essentially an arrogant hero. Yeah. You know, he's that, you know, he's like flipping tables over and he's like, another oh, assholes, let's go their asses, you know? Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. And then, but, okay, so you have the dark world where then I think Thor at the end is like, hey, I could be king, but now... I don't want it, right? Yeah. And then you have him actually take up the throne here. But one of the things that really stuck stuck out to me was if you rewatch Thor 1, Odin tells him his actions won't get him where he wants to go. And when you look at Ragnarok and the villain of Hela and how she actually like helped Odin conquer worlds and then he realized like that's not really, we shouldn't be doing that. Hmm. It makes you... It made me realize that, like, he's trying to tell Thor without telling him, hey, your sister did this, and she's in hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. be better. Yeah. Well, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And it's interesting, too, because, right, there's this kind of conversation about 
the throne through all of Thor movies. And the third one, really Thor finally learns that lesson that being a leader, it's not about title. It's not about your domain. It's mm. about being able to sacrifice for the people that you're leading. Mm. And I mean, that point is very clear to him at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's pretty brilliant. I actually, too, I remember leaving the theater the first time I saw it, and I kind of thought Hela was like a little bit of a stock villain. Like, she just kind of like, I'm here to take over Asgard. But it ended, I re- ended up reading a review somewhere, I don't remember where, and they talked about how her character is actually like a stand-in for colonialism. Oh, I see that. Yeah. How like she helped Odin like conquer all of these worlds. She even says, I mean, ironically, she's like, I'm going to make Asgard great again. And <laughs> I never even caught that. Yeah, like, but it's just funny because like, you know, she they're essentially like treating, you know, uh, Asgard more here as like a colonial empire. Yeah, with like a questionable past. Right. Like you and didn't so, just become great. Yeah, you know. we did a lot of bad like she even says to Thor when he like walks up to the throne, she's like, where the hell did like, where did you think all this gold came from? You know, and you realize that like Howard you know, Zim Howard Zim version of Asgard background. Yeah. 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 But it, I don't know, to me, like there, there were a lot of elements in the film that I was like, damn, this movie actually is, is really good. You brought up the film, yeah. and I'll throw it over to you. What is your favorite scene Ooh. in that movie? Uh, when he fights Hulk. That is That's, I'm always... Well, there's two parts I love. I love the opening, because it's classic horror, and he just whoops ass with Led Zeppelin playing. No, three parts. That part, <laughs> so that part, the, the Hulk You mean the part fight, once he gets the hammer back, and, and he just is swinging through guys? Very okay. And then it's just a great, fun opener that establishes the character if you've never watched a Thor movie before, you know? And I will say this, there's a shot with, I don't know if it's a dragon or whatever the fuck it is, like, following him as yeah. he's flying. Yeah. And, like, there's silhouettes against, like, this orange sky. I was like, damn, that looks really it's just, dope. It's visually gorgeous, Yeah, too. I was like, that looks amazing. Yeah, like, I almost feel bad. Like, people don't give it the credit it deserves because it visually, cinematically, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, like, there's that scene, it's like a real famous art style when they have the, when Loki um, touches the Valkyrie, what's her name? Oh yeah, there does. There's that flashback. Well, I guess they just call it now. And um, there's that flashback, and it's all like at a high frame rate, super slow mo. It's like it looks like a painting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't remember the style. Like, there's a very specific name for it, but it's just gorgeous. It's like a, a moving painting. Yeah, it was, of showing it was cool. of showing that scene. That so that alone is gorgeous. Um, yeah, I'm like, there's so many. Well, so awesome you said the opening, the opening scene when he opening, gets the, the Hulk fight, and then at the end when on the Rainbow Bridge, on the fight Rainbow Bridge, where it's playing Zeppelin, and yeah. he doesn't have a hammer anymore. Yeah, but but what's fun is I think one why it's so fun and watchable. Like every scene is great for the most part. Well, yeah. you know, like that's been Stanley's cameo. He's the one who gets the cut oh, yeah. his hair. Like, well, hey, and the relationship R&D. between Thor and Loki is it, it's always been one of the best in the MCU, yeah. and they really, I mean, you get a lot of it. In the right way. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was cool that I know, you know, the Hulk's probably, at least through Endgame, it didn't end up getting another film, but that was supposed to be part Planet Hulk too, right? The comic storyline. Which I, I guess it is pretty close, because they do go to Sakaar or whatever it is. And it's the most close to, like, Jack Kirby's designs and whatnot. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's just funny. Now I kind of want to watch it. I mean... So this is a... An observation I made. My, my roommate and myself, we watch it all the time. Like, it queues up. And um, I heard someone else talk about Thor Ragnarok, and they watched it on Netflix a lot. It's a fun, rewatchable movie. Right. Back to yeah, that. no, that's true. It. It's a good it's a good movie to watch. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And in many ways, it I think it kind of shows, it, it captures that essence of what we love about comedies. Mm. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, it never takes itself too seriously, yeah. despite the fact that, like, it's a movie about dark themes, like 
genocide and imperialism and damn and right yet it's such an the awesome apocalypse action comedy like it's just great but it's makes it fun and but it's got yeah some incredibly dark elements to it when you really think about it yeah i think what's the line he says and almost every time it's kind of goofy thor says like that's what heroes do that's what heroes yeah. do and he throws the ball at yeah and like it hits him there. or like something something happens to him and he's like oh shit it's kind of like a recurring theme of like they're almost you know hey we're all this is the god of thunder lord of thunder you know and then he gets a ball slammed into his face and you're like yeah you gotta help you can't help but like just enjoy the fun of it all oh so. man yeah it's a good movie it's definitely a good movie i would i don't know if i'd say it's the best marvel one but i would definitely put it in my top five yeah it's up there i'm gonna play that score on my way home you should because it's a good one so good and oh we didn't even jeff Goldblum was great. Yeah. Just being, oh my god. Just being Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> what does he say? He's like when he hits the guy with the death stick. You are officially pardoned from life. From life. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I even love the scene with Doctor Strange, which is kind of when I first saw it, it was it felt very out of place. It's a great interaction between two characters that really never interact at all in the MCU. Yeah. yeah. Loki's funny in it. Thor is great in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris Hemsworth when when he um again the whole physical comedy too not just how it delivers lines but like there's that ornate statue with the elements on it and he like touches it or does something oh, yeah, and just like... totally collapses <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little bitty example of you know talent when it comes to physical comedy like that reminds me of Chevy Chase when Chevy Chase would do that kind of those kind of yeah things. no that's a good example and Chevy yeah. Chase is brilliant when it comes to that kind of stuff so yeah I think something like that actually ha- I, I think it's actually what's it the brother-in-law in Christmas Vacation but like he has like a tree thing and like he touches oh. it and it like <laughs> uh, cousin Eddie yeah cousin Eddie yeah. and then yeah. like yeah Chevy Chase tries to like put it back together and it falls apart again on him or something. yeah yeah it's so all right guys well um, Aaron any last second uh, advice or, or any plugs you got to make who do you got to give shout a shout outs. out to that- for you guys for having me on for sure yeah, we really appreciate on. it yeah. yeah like we said you know the goal is really just to reach out to people in the industry we want to hear the stories get the advice mm-hmm. things I, I always talk about it from you know my midwest background is like when i was growing up i had big dreams but the stories that i heard were from spielberg or from yeah. you know these big guys and i was like yeah i'm not gonna be able to sneak on to you know the lot yeah. So having hearing from people and tell us like, hey, here's how to get on set as a PA. Here's how to take this job and help it get to your next job. Here's, here's what not to do. Yeah, here's how you get a film into a film festival or something. You know, it, it's so valuable. We just really appreciate your insight and your stories. Thank you. How can any projects coming out in the short future that you want to promote? And how can our audience hit you up on social media? Connect. Because um, I'm sure they got questions. Uh, where's my handle? Like, Nigger Bomb. Um, I mean, I'm still. You post Instagram. Yeah, um, I see your posts. I'm not. I'm not an expert in that. Like, yeah, you, I could be doing a much better job at that. Like, I'm not at a, a marketing launch level right now, honestly. Okay, but I'm they can a, theoretically find you. On yeah, Instagram. you can find me. There's not many. Aaron, there's like 16 Aaron makers in the world <laughs> per, per Facebook. So I'm the one in the. Yeah, I don't, the side note, I don't know if this is good or bad, but like if you Google my name, Dustin Garbasiak, mm. I am the only one oh, that nice. comes up. So it's nice, but it's also like if there's anything out there, 
It's easy to find. Nice. Thank you for not actually giving an answer to what you have on social media. <laughs> and be like, ah, oh, Meg, you might be able to find me, you might not, I don't, I don't know. There's stuff out I'm there. out there. If you really want to find me, you'll find me. We'll <laughs> post links to Aaron so you can... It, it won't be that hard because all you have to do is contact me at go. Big Kid D-Man or Boom. me at IndieCal5. And we'll, we'll connect it. And our stuff's the same across social media. I don't think Aaron's is. Yeah, we'll, we'll connect the dots. On that note, dude, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Obviously, we'll definitely have you back on. You can tell us more stories about all these projects that you're working on that you're not allowed to talk about because of NDAs. <laughs> awesome. Aaron, thank you for coming on. All right. To all of our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in. Really hope you hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know if you have thoughts or questions or shoot opinions, comments on social media. And uh, we'll be back again for another episode. See you next time.